So Father God, as we come around your word this morning, I pray that Lord you'd help me to kind of share your heart in this time and in this season. Father, give us lives filled with faith. Give us eyes that are focused on you. And Father, help us to have ears to hear and lips to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to play you a very short video. You'll probably recognise it. It's a very old video. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. Did he, did he, did he have a dream or did he have, has, had he had a dream? Was it something that he kind of slept and had a dream? Is that the kind of picture he's trying to give us? Now he was talking about something looking forward. He wasn't talking like Pharaoh and saying I have a dream which I don't understand, it needs interpreting. He had a dream of something of what the future might contain. And I have a dream. And I have a dream for us as church. And I wanted to share some of this with you today because for me, I have a dream of a church where people will linger around the word. Doesn't necessarily mean we'll have one great big Bible study. But when people get together, we linger around the word. The word comes into our conversation. You know, this here, this guidebook for life, as I call it, this map for the journey, this handbook for life, is something that genuinely is available for us 24-7. Some of, um, most of you probably would know this. I, I used to belong to a thing called BNI, Business Network International. And every Friday morning, we'd meet for breakfast. We'd meet for a breakfast over at Beaumont, the other side of Old Windsor. And the, the whole thing was a whole bunch of business people getting for breakfast. And everybody would talk about what their business was about. Then there'd be, there'd be a four-minute education slot where somebody would talk about something helpful. Everybody would talk about their business for one minute. Then one company would talk about it for 10 minutes. And then people would share any contacts they've got that were helpful. Somebody who was looking for a solicitor. Somebody who was looking for a builder. And so I went along as a businessman. But sometimes I stood up in my one minute. I said, I help to hatch, match and dispatch people. And some people would look at me and think, excuse me? I said, well, you know, I have the privilege sometimes of dedicating babies and getting involved in marriage and helping to bury people. That's why 
Oh, Dave, what do you do then? And I'd say, well, sometimes I talk about being a church leader. But as a consequence of this four-minute education slot, I've been there less than four weeks, and somebody said, Dave, we've not got somebody for next week. Would you be willing to do it? So at seven o'clock in the morning on a Friday morning, I'm the first person up to talk for four minutes. So where do I go to? I go to my favourite book. And I talk about finding your X factor, developing your X factor, investing in your X factor. What is that? That's the Bible talking about talents and gifts. And do you know what? Over the, and somebody said, Dave, that was fantastic. Could you do it again? I went, oh, okay, if you insist. And so over a period of a year, I think I probably did 25 or 30 of the seven o'clock, four minute slots. And every time I was quoting from this book, and it was about four or five months in, a guy came up to me and said, Dave, where do you get all your ideas from? And I said, you know what? It's a book that I read every week. It's very helpful. And I've, I was a bit naughty. I was a bit, I didn't tell him. I just said, it's, it's a book you probably, ha probably haven't read from cover to cover. And so a couple of weeks later, he came up to me, Dave, that was another good talk. Where, where did that one come from? I said, the same book. He said, can you, you, can you tell me? And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll bring you a copy next time I'm, t I'm talking. He said, really? You'd bring me a copy? I said, yes, I will. So two weeks later, I was doing the next session. And he said, Dave, have you bought the book? And I said, yes. Are you willing to sit down afterwards with me and just talk about it? He said, absolutely, I'm, I'm willing to. I said, would you be willing to read a bit of it? He said, yes, okay. Because some of the ideas you've shared have just been so interesting. So I sat down in with the after breakfast, kind of quarter to nine, and said, okay, before I get the book out, I just want to warn you, you won't believe the book that I'm going to tell you it is. And he said, why do you say that? I said, well, because you've probably written this book off as a book that's irrelevant. He said, no, I, I don't do that. I'm, I, I, if I haven't read it, how could I know? I said, okay, well, let's find out then. I said, the book is the Bible. And I got the Bible out. And he said, but Dave, that talk you gave a month ago about this topic, about um, forgiveness and bitterness, he said, is that in the Bible? And I went, yes. And I went to Proverbs and I went to Timothy. And I showed him. I showed him a couple of other things. He said, do you know what? He said, you're right. I'd written this book off. He said, if it's really that good, I'm going to read some of it. Where do I start? So I said, well, why don't you start with one of the Gospels and read about the main character in the Bible, Jesus, and let's see where you go from there. And as far as I know, he's still on that journey. But the point I make is this is a guidebook for life. And actually, we can bring this word into our lives on a regular basis. We don't have to say the Bible says. You know, sometimes when I'm taking assemblies in our local primary school, I'll stand up and say, in a good book that I like, it says this. In a book of poetry, when I'm reading from Song of Songs. In a book of wisdom, when I'm reading from Proverbs. I don't, it's not that I'm ashamed of the Bible. But I don't want people to write it off because I say it's the Bible. Because it's truth, whether they realise or not. And so consequently, people who linger around the word. And um, Terry Waite, he was, um, shows you how long ago this story was. He was, he was kidnapped, wasn't he? he was put in prison. And he was known as Two Meter Man because he was a big tall guy. And he came to speak at the university that Julia and I went to. And I remember him talking about how he lived on what he remembered when he was in prison. And here's a challenge to you. If, if, if you were going to get locked up tomorrow, how much scripture have we got filed away already? 
It's not like a teaching exam where we go, okay, I've got to remember it for four weeks' time, so I better revise it. It needs to be in here, guys. It needs to be in our heads and in our hearts so that when we need it, we can go, oh, there's a scripture. Do you know what? Sometimes there have been places when I've been down, I've been overwhelmed, and I've sat there and I've closed my eyes and a scripture has come to mind. I thought, where on earth did that come from? And it came from the fact that I've read, that I've studied, that I've meditated on God's word and lingered around his word. So I not only want to encourage us to linger around his word individually, but as groups, as individuals. If you meet someone for a coffee in Egham and it's appropriate to drop a word in, drop it in. Somebody says, I'm really struggling at the moment. Be encouraged, my friends. You know, yeah, that, that, that's in Galatians and Ephesians. Be encouraged. So people who linger around God's word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this. All scripture, not some, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All scripture is useful. Do you know what? There are bits of the Bible I look at and I think, I'm not sure how that works out. If I turn to two Chronicles, if I turn to two Kings, I think all scripture. But I believe his word when he says that. So that I'm sure there are bits of scripture that eventually I'm going to quote somewhere, somehow, that we all are. And we think, I never thought that was going to be useful. The second thing I have a dream for is a people who will linger in his presence. Now, I'm absolutely rubbish at this. I'm going to be really honest with you. When I was chaplain for, for Surrey Police Force, I kind of found I had to go to police stations. I had to hang out with the police. That was my job. And I was meant to sit there and chat to them and those kinds of things, make coffee. I can make coffee. I'm not so good at tea. But I can make coffee and I can buy donuts and those kinds of things. So I can do that bit. But it was this. And, and Jan, who was the head chaplain for the whole county, she said, Dave, you've got to linger with purpose and loiter with intent, which I thought was a nice description. Um, and so I said, how do I do that? Because for me, I'm a doing person. I like to do stuff. So, you know, I needed a reason to go somewhere. So oh, I'm here because I'm going to meet Nick or so-and-so. That gave me the excuse, and then everything fell off the back of that. But sometimes I found myself, people say, Dave, why are you here? And I go, um, I don't know. I'm just popping in. And I really struggle with lingering around. You know, and we're, we're all wired differently, aren't we? Some people are wired to do. Some people are, you know, Mary and Martha, that beautiful story with Jesus. One serving, one doing. But, you know, there's a place where actually we can give a little more time. We can give a little more space. Just breathe. As that song that Ruth led us in this morning, just linger in his presence. And linger with together. But not rush on. You know, we, we don't have a format of church that says we have to rush on. We don't have a time that says, okay, it's got to be done in, you know, the prayer has to be done in two minutes. The song has to be three and a half. We don't, we're not that kind of church. But we do need to choose to linger in his presence. And in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, it says this. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, your, for my yoke is easy and my burden is like what he says is come. Come and hang out with me. Come and be with me. Come and be with, with God. 
And that's a choice that we make. There have been many times when I know I've been guilty of this, when I've rushed on, but I should have lingered. And that's both with God and with his Holy Spirit and with friends and with people. Sometimes the task can totally overtake us. But I have a dream that we would be a people who would linger in his presence. I also have a dream that we would be a people who pray. We do pray. I know we pray. But how ready is prayer on our lips? How, how ready do we offer prayer? And I'm not just thinking about our corporate gatherings. I'm not just thinking about when the ladies gather or when a home group gathers or when we gather on a Sunday or when we gather as leaders, but when we gather with other people. I was talking over WhatsApp to Kathy recently and she said somebody had fed back, uh, it was a month ago now, we had a prayer meeting here on the Saturday night, the first week after Charlie's accident. And there were people here praying from lots of different churches. And it got fed back to Kathy, and she, she said, boy, can your church pray? And I know we can pray, but do we? Yeah, do we? Do we pray when the opportunity is, is the default to say, oh, that's nice, and move on? I remember having a home group many, many years ago now. Um, a lady, most of you probably wouldn't remember, Marge. Uh, she'd come along to the home group. We'd have a great conversation. We had a really good conversation. We had one of those sparky conversations where everybody's excited. And we were coming to the end of the home group. And I just said, before we move on, could we just think about what we're going to do as a consequence of what we've heard and pray about it? And I said, Dave, don't change the atmosphere. It's been a great evening. I said, yeah, but I just want it to change us. I don't just want it to be a good conversation. I don't just want it to go into our heads. I want it to seep into our hearts. That what we've heard will have an impact. So we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And we prayed. And God did some stuff. You know, sometimes we need to pray just to press down what God is doing. Uh, one of my favourite scriptures is in 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, it said, notice it starts with, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. There's a lot of healing that's needed. You know, quite often, when we meet with folk, there's healing that's needed. It might not be physical healing. It might be emotional healing. It might be the healing of a conversation. It might be the healing of some bad words. But healing is required. Well, let's pray. I can think of many times I've offered to pray for people who are strangers or people I don't know that well. And in passing, I've just said, well, could I pray about that? And sometimes I'm sure they, they actually thought that I meant I was going to go away and pray about it. And they, they only in all, so how, how old am I? 55, I've been a Christian now for kind of 30 plus years. Only in two occasions that I can remember as, as prayer being refused. Two out of, I guess, hundreds, maybe thousands, I don't know, I'm not counting. But my point is, I took their hand or put a hand on the shoulder or sat with them and prayed. Because I know prayer makes a difference. 
I know that God hears. God is moved by prayer. And if we will but pray, and I want to be part of a people who will pray. Here's an interesting one. I want to be part of a people who see miracles happening in their midst. Do you know, that's not just limited to God. God is able to do miracles, but do we ask? You know, one of the first things for me that comes when I start thinking about miracles happening in our midst is if a miracle is going to happen in our midst, there needs to be a miraculous need. There needs to be, there's the, you know, okay, God, the water's being turned into wine. It was a miracle, but it came out of a need. There was no wine left to celebrate the wedding. You know, and all the healings that happened and, and the dead that will be raised. You know, you know, so, someone was dead and people wanted them back. Someone was sick and was going to die and they were healed. And there are people in the room who've testified to healing. And we got to a place of desperation when we're saying, God, there's nothing more that the doctors can do. Charlie being alive is a miracle. There are many, many stories about Charlie's life already where the doctors are saying, don't expect this. This is not usual. So it's just amazing. So God does do miracles. But it means that we need need in our midst. Now, I don't know whether you're okay or whether you have no need. But if we don't have need ourselves then for us to have miracles in our midst, we need to hang out with people who have a need rather than run away from them. And so sometimes that means we hang out with people who are different, who are unusual, who are quirky, who maybe have problems and challenges and issues that we don't understand. But there's an opportunity for a miracle to happen. And I'm going to quote a scripture. You, you might think, what, what on earth has this scripture got to do with having miracles in our midst. It's in Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Guys, let's, let's hang out with some people who've got some needs. Let's welcome those who have and let's pray and let's ask God to do a miracle. Because, you know, I kind of think about this. Well, if we don't have any needs and we're not asking God, he doesn't need to move. Okay, Dave's content. He hasn't asked me for anything today. And we don't just want to come to God because we're in the habit of asking. But I'll tell you what, when we, when, we, when we come across something we can do nothing about, what better place to turn to than say, God, you're there. You know this situation. You know this circumstance. You know this need. But, you know, sometimes that's going to mean that we hang out with strangers. And that might be people that you hand a leaflet to on the train. It might be someone that you give a bag to in Winnipeg Airport or wherever you find yourself. It might be someone who takes one of the pens or actually you just sit and talk to. It might be somebody, a colleague at work, you don't know that well. An opportunity happens to connect. Many, many years ago, I worked for a, a large company in Reading and they had a big canteen. And I vowed from the first day that I arrived there that when I was going down for lunch, I was never going to sit with people I knew. 
So the first, I started from the first day I arrived. It was easy on the first day because I didn't know anybody apart from my boss and a couple of other people I've been introduced to. So I walked down to the canteen, I got some sandwiches and I went and I sat down and I sat down, I walked across to a table and said, can I sit here? And I sat down with them and I got talking to them. And I did that week after week, month after month, year after year. And you can imagine as time went on, I knew more and more people. So I'd be walking down the canteen with a tray, with a drink and a sandwich. And there'd be people saying, oh, come and sit with us, David. I said, no, it's all right, thanks. And I'd go and sit with strangers. And I did that deliberately. Do you know by the time I left out of a company of, I think there were 5,000 people based in this Reading office, I probably knew a couple of thousand of them. I didn't know all their details, but I sat and had lunch with them. Or I met them in meetings and so forth. You know, sometimes it's a choice we make. We can choose to go for the familiar, or we can choose to go for the different. I am fascinated by watching people. I can often, I'm quite comfortable sitting there at a party and watching things go on. And uh, I do the same at church. And yeah, one of the things that grieves my heart sometimes is I can see, uh, not just here, other churches as well, where it's quite clear a guest has come in and they're standing on their own looking a bit uncomfortable. And yet those who know one another are busy chatting. And I just think... That one person there is the one that Jesus is highlighting to us here. That's the one person someone should be going to speak. Not that the whole church should rush across. Oh, that would be a bit intimidating, wouldn't it? If everybody rushed across, you went, hi. But just somebody. And I know we like the familiar, and I know we like talking to the people that we're closest to. And But you know what? I've said before now, and I've done it a couple of times, and I've even done it to you. There's been someone strange... Uh, someone new standing at the back and I'm chatting to you and I've said, excuse me, and I've just left you and gone and had a conversation with the stranger or the new person. Just because they're the most important ones. You know, many, many books have been written about how people choose churches. And there's quite a lot of evidence now that says actually people have chosen before the first song has started. Before people have sat down in their seat. They've thought about how easy is it to find, what welcome did I get on the door, what t- how good was the coffee, um, were people happy and smiley, was it easy to find a seat, what was the music like you know, before the service had even started. Yeah. So people do that. So I, w- I just hope that we will reach out to strangers, people that we know and we, we will get to know eventually. And in Matthew 25... Beginning at verse 35, it says this. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger to you, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did, as to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. And if no other motivation than in that story is, why are you doing this? You know, it's fantastic that we as Christians can be an enigma to other people. There's nothing better than somebody turning to you and saying, why are you doing this? 
Every Wednesday between uh, around lunchtime, there is a kitchen in, in this room where people are welcome. They're given tea and coffee and soup, and it's all free. And there are many people who come to that kitchen who kind of say, where do I pay? Oh, no, no, it's free. And that's part of the reason why this is here. This is here because some people don't want it for free, so they feel they want to pay something. But you know what? It's genuinely given out of a heart of thankfulness and a heart of gratefulness to say, please come. And as a consequence of people coming to this kitchen over many years, there have been a whole bunch of people who have been helped in lots of different ways. Some have become Christians. Some have been found homes. Some have been um, given some kind of capability in terms of helping with housing need and those kind of things. But we, the church in Egham, the wider church in Egham, the churches in Egham would never have met that need if this kitchen had not been giving away tea and coffee to those folk. And my final, final, final thought is this. I want to be hanging out with a people, part of a church, who only do what they see the Father doing. In John 5.19 it says this. And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in a like manner. Could that be true of a people that we hang out with, that we only do what we see the Father doing, that we only do what we sense him nudging us to do? Sometimes when we have choices, we just need to pause and just say, okay, A or B, Lord. I'm not talking about the colour of socks that we put on in the morning. I'm talking about whether I should go and talk with him or her. Whether I should go and have a meeting with this person or that person. Because in those moments, we can be nudged in the direction that God wants us to go. He can give us dreams. He can give us visions. But church, I just want to believe that the dream of a people like this is a people who meet in this place. I don't know whether you want to hang out with similar people. I don't know whether that's you, but I'm going to ask us now just to close our eyes. And maybe you can just synergize yourself with this dream. Maybe there's one thing in the, the six or seven points that I've shared this morning that you say, yeah, I want to hang out with the people like that. Because if we're going to hang out with those kind of people, we need to be those kinds of people. You know, it's not this... If you, you know, there's a saying that I've heard a number of times that says, if you find the perfect church, please do not join it. Because you'll spoil it. Yeah, you know, and there's something in there that says, you know, all of us are imperfect. All of us are flawed in some way or other. But do you know what? I know that if I hang out with good people, I'm encouraged to think good things. If I hang out with people of faith... I'm encouraged to pray, prayerful things. If I hang out with people who, and linger with people who worship and focus on God, then I know I'm going to be fed. And so I'm going to ask a simple question. And this isn't so much about RCF or church in this place right now, but much more about us as individuals. Are you willing to be more like the people I've challenged us to hang out with? to linger more around his word, to reach out to a stranger, to reach out to those in need and pray for a miracle, to be a praying people, 
to give and to share and to love and to care. I'm just going to ask you to stand because I just think it's a choice that we make on a daily basis. We choose between the easy way and the hard way. I'm standing because I just want to be more like some of the people that I've described today. I know that's a choice I need to make. Maybe there are others who want to stand with me. To be a people of power. To be a people of miracles. To be a people of prayer. To be a people of evangelism, sharing. To be a people who will care and see the need. Bill Hybels wrote in a book once, Just Walk Across the Room. In that book he talked about, there's a choice between us sitting comfortably with where we're at or walking across the room, reaching out a hand of friendship and beginning a conversation that may never end. And so God, as we stand before you right now, Lord, we stand because we are human. Lord, we stand as we are with the limitations that we have. And we ask you, Lord, to help us to be just a little bit different. Help us, Lord, to love people a little more. Help us to impart a little more faith into people and encourage one another. Help us to reach out to the stranger and to the lost. In those moments when we could choose to engage or to walk away, help us to choose to give five more seconds and see what will happen. Father, help our default setting today to be what would Jesus do? What would he have done? Help us to be more like you, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stay standing now as we close out our service. Ruth is going to lead us in one more song.